Welcome again to Christ Redeemer. Um, we have been going through the book of Genesis, and now we have arrived to Genesis chapter 38. So if you have a copy of God's Word, um, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 38. And Genesis uh, is actually the first book of the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's 66 books in the Bible, and Genesis is actually the first book in the Bible. And um, now we uh, transition away. Uh, Brother Jerry preached last week about Joseph and the uh, life of Joseph, something about what happened to him and his, his brother, how the brother sold him. But now the story's going to pause right there. Now we're going to learn about what's going on with Judah in the midst of all this. So um, let me read to us, starting in verse 1 in chapter 38. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brother's and turned aside to a certain Adulamite, whose name was Hara. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chesed when she bore him. Look in verse 6. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. So the first son of Judah got put to death because he was wicked before the Lord. Verse 8. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife, because now that he has the custom, now the brother has to marry the wife. So go into the brother's wife and perform the duty of a, a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brother. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. So now Judah has lost two sons. One son is left to marry Tamar. But right now the daddy, the dad, which is Judah, holds out the marriage for, for just a moment. And Tamar goes and lives uh, in her father's house. Verse 12. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua, daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, um, comforted he went up to Timnah to his sheep shears, he and his friend Hara, the Adonamite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garment and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up, and sat at the entrance of to Enamah, Enan, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she was she had a cover, she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come into you, for he did not know 
that she was his daughter-in-law, she said, what will you give me that you may come into me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from a flock. And she said, if you give me a pledge until you send it, he said, what pledge shall I give you? She replied, your sinnet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went to her and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and taken off her veil. She put on the garment of the widowhood. Verse 20. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adonamite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, did not find her. So he went back looking for Tamar. She's nowhere to be found. And the men went looking for her. They couldn't find her anywhere. Verse 24, jump down. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out, let her be, be, let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, the sitting and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, she is my, more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son, Sheba. And, it did, and he did not know her again. Then the verse 27 to Ashul 30 deals with Ashley um, Tamar born two sons, um, Perez and Zerah. And real quick, um, I don't pick the text every week. So I know it's a very unique text, like a lot of detail in this text. Uh, we're just working through the book of Genesis. And so happily we're on this text this week. Um, so let me pray for us and let us talk about this text. And how the Lord is going to use this text for us to know him, to grow in him, and to walk in him through this. So let me pray for us. Um, Father God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us at this time. Let us be enriched by this word at this time. Um, There's a lot of stuff that was given in this text, Lord. But Lord, let us see your glory. Let our mind not be drifted away, Lord, to other things. Lord, bring our minds, Lord, to your glory. And let us see the beauty, Lord, of you at the end of this text and grow us more into the image of your son. So we thank you, Lord, for all the goodness. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I remember years ago um, when I was uh, growing up here in this community, um, a lady across the street had a dog. Um, it was a golden, uh, I don't know what kind of dog it actually was, um, but the lady named Miss Dove. She had this particular dog that, and it was fenced in. So you walk by Miss Dove Yard, the dog was just growl and bark. It would run across on it, would run alongside the fence as you was walking by the yard. It was growling, making sure you don't come near this yard. What so happily, Miss Dove was actually leaving one morning, and she had to open her gate. And I think she might have been going to the grocery store, but she left the dog at this time. And so for us, uh, we saw, um, I think the dog's name was Blunt or something, Blunty or something. So we saw the dog come out the gate. And for me and my brothers at that particular time, anxiety and anxiousness set in. And this dog was about to attack us. So for all of us, it's thinking about, okay, we got a car in front of us. All of us cannot fit on the trunk of this car. But the first one making to the front of this car is going to be saved and not get bit by this dog. So me and my brothers are pushing each other, right? trying to get on the trunk of this car. 
We were terrified to get on the trunk of this car. If we get on the trunk of this car, we're going to be safe. So for me, I'm trying to push my brother so he can get bit and I can get safe. And so happily, as we were made it to the car, we both were getting on top of the car. Miss Dove called back and she called the dog back. Blunt, Blunty, get back. Come back, come back. And all of a sudden, the dog went back. In that moment, anxiety swept in in us. We was afraid, we were terrified. What was going to happen to us? I know that was a story that might have been a little corny, but we all have stories that we were in a position that decisions need to be made in that moment, how we feel. If it's a light bill, if it's someone going through a particular situation in a relationship, sometimes we feel like we have to make a decision in that moment. And what happened, we get anxious. We get anxious about the unknown. We're worried about what ifs. If that's you this morning, I think this text is right on time. We're going to see the same story here. A young man is anxious about tomorrow, and he put things in his own hands, and he make a mess of it. So we're going to learn when we get anxious and full of anxiety, we can mess up things all around us. So what do we do? When anxiousness come in, we trust in the one that knows all things in that particular moment. So let's walk through this together. We're going to do it in three points this morning. And the points we're going to do it in this morning is, um, the first point is Judah is very anxious to defend his name. The second point is going to be is there are consequences of being anxious. And the last point we're going to end up with, Judah admits it's unrighteousness from being anxious. So I'll jump into point number one. And I can, again, let me title this, Judah and Tamar being anxious will catch up with you. Point number one, Judah is very anxious to defend his name. We learned last week from Brother J.P., that Judah not only helped get rid of Joseph. So let me explain what's happening. So we have God as the creator, right? He's the creator of the universe. Nothing existed. It was no stars. It was no moons. It was nothing. There was no outer space. It was nothing but God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit existed alone. Nothing else existed. Then eventually God, in his goodness, created a plan for all the creation that can see his glory. So God created everything so everything in the world can praise him and know him. So God created out of space. He created the planets. Then eventually he created the land, the water, the animals. He created all living things. And the last thing God created was Man. mankind. So God created everything so mankind can be fully taken care of. Because God created man on the first day, what would man stand at? If God created man on the first day, what would man eat? If God created man on the first day, what would man drink? So God in his wisdom, he created everything so man can be supplied. So he created man on the last day so man can be cared for. So man can say, Look at God and say, he's lacking anything. 
Because now Adam and Eve has God in the garden with them. But also they have food and water. They have everything is met for them in the garden. They have everything. And so God created man to see his glory. And they see his glory. They're praising God in the garden of Eden. But all of a sudden, mankind grew in discontentment. We know this by the serpent, right? Which is the devil that was in heaven, but went to rule over God, got kicked out of heaven. And now the serpent was in the garden, and he had this discontentment. So he actually conversed with Eve for her also to have discontentment, for them to see that God doesn't meet their needs. So they were anxious. They were anxious that God is holding back, that we don't know some things, that God is actually holding us back from knowing so many different things. So the serpent has said is that if you want to be as God, if you want to know the hidden thing that God is holding you back, eat upon this tree. Again, you see this ancientness here. This inquiring that it's something that is left out in here that I have to know. So God, you don't give, you don't give us everything that we need. It's something that you're lacking and giving to us. So what do we need to do? We need to worry and worry and worry and bed, then eventually talk to the serpent and say, serpent, yes, I want it. I want to know what God has not given to me. And that's what they did. They ate upon this tree. They felt like God was holding back something from them. And they sinned against God. And when they sinned against God, they were saying at this moment, the reason why God created them for his glory, for them to worship themselves now. Sin came into this world. Chaos came into this world. So now when sin comes in, I mean, God has to punish sin. So God gets him out of the garden. But God gave a promise that one day he's going to come. He's going to redeem his people for himself. So I promise in Genesis 3.15 that one day God's going to come and crush the head of this devil. He's going to make things new. He's not going to be anxious. He's not going to struggle with anxiety, but he's going to come in and show us what it means to trust the Father when things doesn't look right. And so this story now in Genesis gets to that. We heard about Adam and Eve. They had a son named Cain and Abel. Abel honored the Lord and trusted the Lord. Cain was jealous again. This anxiousness wanted what his brother had. He wanted the, the same thing that his brother had before God. So Cain was jealous of his brother and killed his brother. Anxiousness killed his brother. What happened with Abel? Abel was called as righteous. And eventually we see a world now where people were trusting the Lord. Some people wasn't trusting the Lord. And eventually they came together and the whole world wasn't trusting the Lord. And so God flooded the world with Noah. Could Noah be the Savior? He was a type of Savior. He saved the people when he was on the boat, right? Many of his family came into the ark. So Noah was a type of savior, but Noah wasn't the true savior because said Noah got drunk, right? And sinned against God. So Noah sinned, so he can't be the savior. What about Noah, Noah's great-great-great-grandson, Abraham? Well, Abraham was a righteous man, but he sinned against God. He cannot be the savior. So we are waiting to see where when this when would the savior come. So we now we have made it to Joseph, right? Was a good brother. And after today, we come to a guy named Judah. Will Judah be the Savior? We know Judah's not the Savior because last week he sold his brother. But now we're going to learn today about Judah. Can Judah be the Savior now 
that we all are looking for to redeem the people for us. Judah, we will, we will learn, we'll be anxious. Judah will show another instance of not being grateful for all of the promises God has given to them. God said he's going to make them a mighty nation. He's going to give them a land or a king. He's going to provide for them. God's going to do all these things, but Judah's going to forget those things and put things in his own hands. He will make reckless decisions without any time with the Lord. Decisions out of impulse, which is rooted in being anxious. One person defines anxious as waiting or wanting something very much typically with a feeling of unease. You're wanting something, but you can't grab it. You think you got it. You can see it. You can see it. You think you can get it, but you can't get it. You're anxious for it. So the first instance of this is in verse 1, when Judah go to dwell amongst the unbelieving people. Judah supposed to stay amongst the believing people, right? We find out in verse 1 that Judah leaves and go in the midst of unbelieving people. He's anxious. He's neglecting the things of God. And Judah goes on to marry someone from the Canaanite people. They were told to stay away from the Canaanites. Not because the Canaanites were Asian or white or black. He said stay away from the Canaanites because they believe in another God. That if you marry the Canaanites, you're going to forget about me. So God told Judah to stay away from the other people because they believe in other gods. Then they will forget about God. So he's anxious. For him is that he wanted more. Judah wanted more. So Judah put away from the things of God. He went out and put things in his own hand. And he married someone that he shouldn't have married. Family, can we relate to this in life? Doing things that God forbid because it's most comfortable for us in that moment. We know these things are wrong, but it feels like in this particular moment, it's the most comfortable thing to do in that moment. Have you ever been there before? We as believers aren't called to do things because of comfort. We're called to do things because we do things for God's glory. It's tempting at times, right? Sometimes we want to put things in our hands. Think about rush hour. Somebody cut you off on the road, right? You want to throw something out at them, right? You want to give justice at that moment that they did this to me, I want to do this to them. Feminist Christians, we don't do things, again, to make us comfortable. We do things to honor the Lord. So the same reckless character now that Judah, since he did things that was more comfortable for him and not trusting the Lord, now he's going to raise three sons to do the same thing. He's going to have three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah, with two parents that aren't trusting the Lord. And well, we aren't surprised that the kids don't trust the Lord because look at the parents. We see further Ur after marrying Tamar is, and marrying Tamar is a wicked man in verse 7. This is someone that's wicked as someone that's not following after the Lord. He sees things good in his own eyes. So the Lord put him to death. So Tamar became a widow. 
And so in this time, they had cultural customs that if a brother had a wife, right, and a brother dies, the next brother would have to marry their wife. And the reason for that is because of the inheritance. We're talking about 200, 300 acres. We're talking about more than that, probably say 50,000 acres of land that you're going to inherit a lot of things. And you're going to have a child that's going to inherit these things. And so they would keep these within certain type of firstborn lineage. So the brother would actually have to marry, I mean, the, the, the wife would have to marry the next brother. And that's what happened. So what happened was, now Onan had to marry. But Onan, thinking about it like this, Onan is saying, well, since my brother um, Ur died, Onan said, I want the land. I want all the land given to me. I want to be the first one. The first one, Ur died, so I want all the land. But what happened is that with Onan marrying the wife of his brother, the firstborn, that means the land would actually go back to the father. So Onan is like, I don't want to have kids by her name. I want to be able to see that the dad dies and actually the wife dies, whatever the case may be, that Onan get the land. So when Onan married her, he didn't want to have a child by her. And what did God do? Did God struck him down as well from being a wicked man? So the last son here, Judah's in this situation now. God has took away my first son, Ur, my second son, Onan. Judah starts scratching his head. Hold on now. If she married my last son, I would not have any more kids left. So what did Judah do? Judah's going to play the game and say, okay, let's not marry now. He's not old enough to marry. Because Judah knowing that this son is going to be wicked too as well. What we see here, the same thing is happening. The sons are following the steps of the father. A side note, father's in this room and parents in this room. Our kids are looking at everything we do. Everything we do, our kids are looking at us. A lot of things, they're looking at us, they're going to learn from it, they're going to do the same things. That's why it says in Proverbs eleven twenty nine, he who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. And the fool will be a servant to the wise. What does it mean by inherit wind? Try to grab the wind. Try to grab it. Can you grab it? No. You won't inherit anything. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Colossians 3.21 Father, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. 1 Timothy 5.8 If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ephesians says, For Father, do not expirate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In Matthew 18.6 summarize a lot of these things right here. What happened to a father that caused their kids to stumble? But whoever caused one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great milestone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Parents, we must be godly example before our children 
because we can play a part in generations down the road and not falling out to the Lord. But we can't take care of our home, family. We can't be taking care of other places. Judah didn't take care of home. Judah was a terrible example here, and it continued here. And now we're seeing Judah doing things out of impulse, and Judah makes a mess not only of his own life, but other people's lives. So one son is left here. And Judah knows his one son is left. And Judah doesn't want Tamar to marry him at this time. So Judah said he had enough. And he sent Tamar away and said, go back to your homeland. And I'll let you know when Shelah is at the right age, then you can be able to marry him. And during this time, Judah's wife died at, at this time. So, uh, uh, so Tamar goes back home. Shelah, right, the son, is waiting to marry her, and the father hold up the marriage as long as possible. So years and months have passed. Tamar comes back and says, hey, now, Shelah's old enough now. It's time for you to marry him. But the father haven't came back and told me he's old enough yet. What is Judah doing? Why is Judah not allowing me to marry his son? So Tamar is saying Judah's up to something. And she got fed up. So what did she do? She got something for him. So word got out that Tamar, to Tamar that Judah was going up to Timnah to shear the sheep. She dressed up and put on different clothes. As a widow, you were wearing certain clothes for a widow, and everyone knows that you're a widow. What she did, she took off her widow clothes and put on other clothes for them not to know who she was. And she actually became a person that looked in appearance as a prostitute. And so Judah would pass alongside, and Judah runs into her. And Judah now, again, not trusting the Lord and being anxious in this moment, Judah pays to know her. He pays her with a goat. And the way that's going to make this agreement is that, hey, you'll get your goat. And she said, well, give me your signet, give me your cord, and give me your staff. And when you get the goat, I'll give these things back to you. So Judah had relations with Tamar. Tamar is pregnant. But Judah, at this moment, when he sent the goat over to her, they didn't know where she was at. She never received the goat. So Judah was like, okay, she's not around. Everything is good. Don't worry about anything. So Judah is now like, okay, everything can be swept under the rug then. Raise the point number two. There are consequences on being anxious. So how would this terrible act come to light? Judah having relations with his daughter-in-law. It would come in the light in a way that Judah's not expected. You guys remember Judah got away with selling his brother. Jacob doesn't know anything about this yet. A lot of times Judah or a lot of times the brother have done things and they got caught. But Judah haven't got caught for selling his brother, but now Judah for the first time will get caught that we know of. So family says that the Lord cannot be mocked. He revealed all the secrets either in this life, time, or in the glory.
So what about us, family? Do we have something in our lives that are we are hiding? For Judah, the right now felt better than the promises that God has promised him. What God said he was going to give him, it didn't come on his timing. And so Judah became anxious and put things on his own hand, and now he made a mess of things. So family, is this you? When things are not working out for you, you put it in your own hands. If that's you, if that's me, we're a lot like Judah than what we think. To work it out that Tamar is pregnant. How is she pregnant and she's not married anymore? Her husband has died. So worry it out to Judah that she's pregnant. And so at this time, that means she went out and had relations without being married. And so Judah comes out and said, she must be burned to death. Judah says this. The same Judah that sold his brother. The same Judah just manipulated Tamar. The same one that's living a life of unrighteousness that says she needs to be burned. This man had a teachers in Jesus' day. How they hated Jesus for Jesus telling them what the right thing to do. They say they hold on to the word. But they're living their life contrary to the word. This is nominal Christianity. You saying you're a Christian because we live in America, but you don't live for Jesus. Or some of us in this room might know scriptures and talk about scriptures every two minutes, but your life did not show it. People around you don't want to be around you because your life doesn't show the Christian life that you're living. So, family, are we far from Judah? I think we can relate to him, can't we? Because no one in this room is perfect. We all have lived a life contrary to God at times. We all have done things that dishonored the Lord at times. We all can relate to that. We all have tried to correct somebody. So, we can relate to him. We can relate to living a life of hypocrisy. Telling someone to do something good and we're doing something otherwise. So Judah tried to call out Tamar. But look what happened here. But after three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has been in more. More, she is pregnant by immorality. We're going to drop down. Verse 25, and as she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, the sitting the court and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said this right here, she is more righteous than I. Since I did not give her to my son, Sheila. The whole thing about it was that he was trying to hold his son back from marrying her. Tamar exposed Judah. Family, the Lord exposes our evil deeds. And again, my question before us this morning, what are we hiding before the Lord? Is the way we talk to people? Is the way we, you are leading your family? The way you are treating your neighbor? May we not hide our bad ways from the Lord, but may we bring our failures to him to the throne of grace 
Nobody in this room is perfect, but we can take our problems and our failures and our problems and our troubles, we can take them to the Lord. So you might struggle with anger. Take it to the Lord. We might struggle with all types of other things. We can take it to the Lord. We don't have to live a double life. And point number three, last thing right as we end, Judah misses unrighteousness from being anxious. Judah acknowledged in verse 26 that Tamar was more righteous than him. He admits his shortcomings. He knew that he should have been given the young, he should have given the younger son to Tamar, but he wanted to cheat the custom. He wanted to cheat the law for his own selfish benefit. He was so anxious to get what he wanted at the particular moment, and he put him up, put the Lord to the side for his own selfish benefit. But what happens though? This terrible act by Judah, the Lord was still turned around and meaning for good. God will use Judah terrible act to bring about something that is so glorious that now the birth of the son that comes from Tamar and Judah is going to be named Perez. And Perez is actually in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So God used this terrible act to bring about a good thing. So family in this room that have struggled with different things, God can use your brokenness to bless someone else. God can use your brokenness to turn people to Jesus. So don't feel like you're in this room that I am better than you or someone in this room is better than you. Family, we all are broken in need of a Savior. And that you don't have to hide your past. You don't have to hide your presence. You don't have to hide anything before the Lord. You can bring it all to the Lord. And now you have a testimony to share with others what the Lord has brought you through for them to know the same Jesus that brought you through it. So family, your past that God uses to draw people to himself. Others around you might mock you. Ha! He used to do this. She used to do this. God used our brokenness for other broken people to see that we can relate to them, that we were just like them, it would still be like them if God didn't come rescue us. So family in this room that are broken, God has rescued you. He can rescue others. Share others. Share with others your testimony, what God has brought you through. So with Judah testimony here. Yeah, Judah is broken, but Judah is the name we hear from the Judah, what the, uh, the Judah from the same trial where we know where Jesus comes from. Judah. You guys see this picture of a lion, right? Judah is considered this lion. This fearless lion and the same Judah will be the one that brings about the Messiah. So family in this room, as we end here today, don't be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. God is going to give you exactly what you want you to have right now. If he wants you to have something else, he'll give it to you. But what he's giving to you right now is exactly what you need right now. Even as a parent, right? If I let a bowl of candy sit in front of my kids about all day, I come back, that bowl is going to be empty, isn't it? And there's kids now the next day get up, their stomach is hurting. Why is their stomach hurting the next day? They ate too much candy. As a parent, we will give them one piece and put the candy up. We know what's best for them. Family, our Father in Heaven knows what's best for us. So you guys, if you're single in this room, 
God knows what's best for you in this particular moment in your life. If you're married right now in this room, God knows what's best for you in this particular season of life. If you work at a particular job right now, God knows what's best for you in this season of life. And he's going to use this season for you to conform to his image. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God is going to use this season to make you more like Jesus. He's going to show you that you're impatient at times. He's going to show you at times you're not trusting him. So family, let us trust the Lord at all times. Let me end with a couple applications. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy is rooted in pride. You aren't ready to be honest with your shortcomings, but you are quick to acknowledge other shortcomings. That's pride. May we examine our lives here today and confess our shortcomings before the Lord. Number two, anxiousness will always pop up in the head of the Christian life. And we feel like life is about to be over, so we have to dishonor the Lord to survive. Family, there should never be a reason for us to dishonor the Lord. We should be faithful all the time. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. Look at those birds. I always say that y'all laugh at my illustration. I've never seen an anorexia bird. The Lord provides for the birds. Look at the lilies. The wonders of the lilies that comes up in the water. Who designed them? It's God that designs them. Family, the air we need to breathe. He gives it to us. He provides for us. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. He will provide for us. We can rest in him. The reason why he hasn't given to us what we really want is because we don't need it right now. If we need it, he would have given to us. That's the reason why you don't have it right now, because that's not what you need right now. He is giving you exactly what you need right now, and it's waiting on him. Last thing. A couple of things that help you out with anxiousness. Prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about the basketball game, about the track meet, about your job, your boss. It said, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Alina about to have this baby. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. You can fill in the blank, whatever that is. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, be prayerful, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. In the peace of God. How do you overcome anxiety and stress? The peace of God comes upon you, which surpasses all understanding. We'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What do we do? We pray. We pray. And we praise God and thanksgiving all he has given to us. Look what we have. We have bodies. Right? We have so many other things. We have friends. Let us enjoy those things. And the Lord uses those things to bring about peace in this time and age right now. Encourage what Ms. Sean just said earlier. About, even about us in her life right now. Just encouraging by hearing those certain things. That's no mistake. The Lord uses friends to bring about that peace as well. And the last thing I want to say here. Ask yourself this question. Will my decision in this quick moment bring glory to God? When you've been anxious, ask yourself the question. Whatever I do right now, would it be honor to God? If it doesn't bring honor to God, don't do it. It tells in Philippians 4 as well. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So do the honorable thing, family. Honor the Lord and trust him. And say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing right now. I cannot see what you're doing. But right now it's for my good. And it's for my good, it's for your good. And let me trust that. Let me pray for us, family.